0: Welcome to Preparing for Robots with your host, Dave Gerber. The future of technology and your place in the workplace are addressed here every week. Now, your host, Dave Gerber.
1: Welcome fellow humans. I'm Dave Gerber, your host of Preparing for Robots, and I'm so excited to kick off this episode of our international program, here on Voice of America's Business Channel. We have a great show lined up today and we have a very interesting guest. If this is your first time listening to the show, let me share some quick information. On Preparing for Robots, we have the opportunity to talk about the impact of all things digital on your personal, professional, business, and leadership future, everyone's future. And we will dive headfirst into this seemingly endless, all-encompassing, unknown digital revolution. I specialize in helping business leaders go after low-hanging fruit solutions to address costly pains associated with all types of organizational and personnel-related conflicts. Want to quantify how costly these conflicts are for your business? Go to ConflictCalculator.com and you'll see the cost of human conflict. So I help businesses increase collaboration, save money, and generate revenue by harnessing conflict solutions, from consulting to coaching, training and facilitation, to multi-generational hybrid solutions. I provide business leaders and professionals answers to all types of people-related challenges. As we prepare for robots, humans are going to have to maximize their performance, increase their creative problem-solving skills, their conflict management abilities, and better adapt to the changing business landscape. We're talking about losing 50% of jobs in the next 10 years. What does this mean? My goal with this show is to help bring the discussion to life So that corporate boards and executives leaders and professionals can better understand what is coming and what to consider how do we help professionals become the best version of themselves to help our businesses prosper we have to look at the digital world simplify the conversation and all be a part of the discussion so i'm here to streamline complex digital subjects with the help of content experts let's hear what they want us to know in a way we can understand we often don't pay attention because it becomes super technical and can even make our brain hurt, AI, AR, VR, all of it, and it's all crashing into us at the same time. How do we make sense of it? That's what this program's all about. We can help leaders from all different business industries consider the issues and then facilitate the discussion back within their organization. Let's get it started. All right, today we're gonna be talking about the impact of the digital revolution on insurance, investing, retail, and why we all need to care. I'm excited to introduce our featured guest today. We're talking with Robert Sharetta of the International Investor TV channel. Let me tell you a little bit of background about him. He's a great guy. He started his career on Wall Street more than 30 years ago as an analyst for the Financial Analysts Federation and worked as a registered investment advisor and an international research director for several of the world's largest banking investments institutions. Robert also launched the television program International Investor, which examines global economic development He's a board director of the National Economist Club and several other profit and nonprofit organizations, and I'm excited that he's with us today. Welcome to Preparing for Robots, Robert. How are you today, sir?
2: No, oh, great, good to be with you, Dave.
1: Thank you, so, so it's so great to have you on the show, and as you know, we're here to talk about the impact of the div- digital revolution on humans. Tonight, we're gonna spotlight your background in insurance, investing, retail industry, and why we all need to care. So, sort of jumping right in, You're a smart guy, and you've been looking at these issues for a really long time, a lot longer, I would say, than most people have in the contemporary sort of discussions around AI and digital. Can you briefly summarize why business leaders and professionals need to care about these topics now?
2: Oh, certainly. Well, you know, start with the bottom line. I mean, it's evident to me. And this is, by the way, a revolution that's been really going on for 30 years, but now it's accelerating. Uh, But clearly, those at the management feel that there's great opportunities here. It's going to impact their employees because in a lot of cases, it shuffles jobs around. In other cases, it just simply eliminates them. But more importantly, they see it transferring to the bottom line in terms of offering uh, opportunities for uh, investment Strategies and advice that they can provide clients, and I'm talking largely institutional clients as well as retail, but they can create world platforms and look at a thousand different variables and this whether how effective they are in actually managing and and, uh, and providing better performance is always debatable. But one thing's clear that with these tools, they can certainly sell their products more easily to the institutional and retail crowd.
1: And, and, and from discussions that I've had with you in the past, I think you, can you sort of give us a sense of how big this is? Because I, I think sure. you have a real Well, you, well, real you know, I do, of... I do want to
2: start, since we've got a little time, I want to, I want to start, uh, I think one of the reasons I might be value to you is because I have uh, several decades in this business and I will tell you, David, again, this has been going back at least to the 70s, the use of computer technology to, uh, to advance and guide uh, investors of, in many different ways. You know, going back to the 70s, you could see mainframe computers in asset managers' offices. Um, these actually weren't part of their office because they occupied entire rooms. Uh, The big breakthrough was when they finally went to mini-computers. Everyone was excited when they really just ended up in smaller rooms. But I will tell you that going back to the 70s, there was what's known here in the United States as the Big Bang legislation and revolution, which enabled traders, which always had been conducted by uh, stockbrokers literally handing paper tickets to one another. In fact, I even remember some of those days. I worked in an office briefly where we would put a... A, a ticket for a, a, a stock order in a tube, a vacuum tube, which was taken to a central office for the clearing, um, where uh, other people, of course, typed up the the order and sent it through to purchase or sell stock. That's how archaic the systems were in those days. Well, in the in the seventies, and actually, it really got going in the eighties. Most trading platforms, and I'm talking about the stock exchanges and exchanges around the world. I was actually there when London did theirs in 1986, and their big bang was converting from the traditional trading floor of stock brokers, literally running tickets back and forth, to all electronic platforms, all handled by computers. In fact, the New York Stock Exchange and and mercantile exchanges in Chicago and elsewhere we, we're the only country that we're one of the old vestiges of using ordinary human beings to move tickets back and forth to one another and, and in the traditional uh, call and barter markets, uh, yelling orders across the floor to one another. This has been replaced by a much more efficient electronic system in almost every other stock exchange in the world. In fact, at uh, one point in 1997, we took a trip around the world visiting stock exchanges in Japan and, and, uh, Seoul, South Korea, uh, all over Latin America, as well as Europe. And, uh, Frankly speaking, you could walk into a stock exchange and it was one of the quietest rooms around. There was one or two people monitoring all the computer equipment. So again, not to uh, spend too much time on this, but this is really nothing new. But what happened in in the '90s clearly was there was advances in computer technology that enabled asset managers and and institutional investors to really start using the computer technology. In ways that had never been dreamed of before, they could look at a hundred different economic variables. And of course, this is when technical analysis also took off, because although back to the 1920s, people had been looking at stock charts, trying to figure out what was happening with the overall stock market. Technical analysis really required the use of sophisticated computers to quickly Assimilate all the information and data that was available so that they could apply to individual stocks as well as sectors and, and the overall market performance. And thus, technical analysis was born, which tried to look at all the past trends of stock market um, purchaser, purchasing and, and sales and then determine what the future course might be based on the patterns that, that emerged from that analysis. So, again, going on for quite a long time, um, I don't want to dwell too much in the past. I'll bring us up to the future quickly. Um, I will tell you this. Really, the first part of the financial industry that really took notice of the value of AI was the insurance industry. And you saw some major breakthroughs with the insurance industry taking place. The original big data, if you will, was the the recognition in the insurance industry that when they were looking at the data for all those uh, actuarial tables of when people would die or how sick people might be and what their prognosis was for the future, they realized that they had to look uh, across millions and millions of records to get a sense of what the likelihood was of risk, so they could determine what the what the pricing should be to offer a, a, a policy to someone according to their medical history. Um, so that really that really was the, the first industry to really really incorporate AI as we think of AI today, and to try to um, again uh, look at the human factors and incorporate that into the systems that they devised go ahead i'm sorry if i I took off too
1: long on that (laughs) no this is fantastic In, in some ways you know as someone who hasn't been looking at it as long as i hear the context and you give us sort of the history it helps people to understand in many ways probably for a lot of people as we are in the here and now so 20 years after the 90s where you sort of left off right you're sort of talking about it's all they just see it as sausage making, right? It's like, ah, I don't need to know about that, I don't care about that. Like but in the here and now, right, now these issues are hitting are hitting really hard. And it's kinda like Well, I will tell you, you what now. To, If you weren't paying Before, attention to the history if you weren't paying attention to the history, then you sort of feel like it's smacking you a lot more than if you had been seeing everything uh, in in the history and context like you provided. So I think that's really well. Really there
2: are some that. significant, but there are significant differences, and w- and what's happening before I would argue that most of these were seen as tools, although in other uh, stock exchanges clearly people were replaced by the computers, so they they took note of it right away. Of course, none of those exchanges probably had the the, uh, the strong um, union backing the stock exchange traders of the New York Stock Exchange, so. New York was able to resist that push to have traders, human traders, replaced by computers. But what's happening now, and the insurance industry, again, was the first to embrace this, they recognize that, in fact, it's more than just collecting and analyzing data. The biggest disruptor probably in the insurance industry today is probably progressive, which has come on the auto auto uh, insurance scene very, very hard in the last couple of years, as you probably have seen all their commercials, everyone has. Um, they're becoming extremely successful, and what they've been able to do was to do a, a reanalysis of auto risk and determine that again by looking at people's age, driving history, uh, the kinds of car, and how expensive the car might be that they were driving, they could determine to the dollar, in fact, to the very cent, what they could offer a policy, and, and a policy, and be prepared uh, for for the risk that that particular individual insurer would pose. Previously, State Farm, Allstate, I would argue, they would look at classes of insurers. You know, if you were between 25 and 34 and driving a a brand new car or a used car. But those were very general, um, uh, you could say, divisions among their clients. What Progressive has done is said, you know what, we can tailor a policy and a price to every individual that comes to us seeking auto insurance. And thus, they think they can offer it quite, quite a bit cheaper for uh, an awful lot of those individuals.
1: And I think one of I mean, the I, interesting I, things about the example that you provided with Progressive, as I understand it, they also have used their analytics to be able to um, be a disruptor in the sense that they can also show you what you would pay at other at other um, companies. So they've sure. used that technology to in some ways, I guess, simplify to for the average consumer a way to see not just that they're getting 10% off or they're actually seeing real numbers. Um, so that's that, that's pretty amazing. Um, yeah any, any other thoughts on that with respect to the insurance industry of you know I mean it's clearly just like well, the future well, impact the jobs, going to get, right yeah
2: well the, fu- the future for insurance is going to become even more interesting because what you what you have now, is an entire group of insurers, uh, especially on the life and health policy sides, that are now uh, trying to apply this very data analysis so that they can individualize policies for uh, someone, again, based on their health and medical history, trying to project exactly uh, how many years uh, they will have. But I think they're, they're, they're doing something different now, That's always been around, but what they're adding now is social media. So they will look at other risk factors. They will, for example, um, if they're being told by one policyholder that he's a non smoker and doesn't drink, um, they will look at their at their social media, they will look at the, some of the content of the websites that they, that particular policyholder pulls in. They will look at all the private data that is legally allowed to be collected in order to determine whether, in fact, that policyholder is the risk uh, character that he or she professes to be. So I think in that sense, you're going to find it uh, becomes a very interesting world. And it's not just that they're looking for information that might be contrary to what someone put down on a a policy application, but they're also going to be looking at, at a number of lifestyle factors. And using that to guide them to determine um, based on where someone lives, what state they live in, what city they live in, what neighborhood within the city they live in, what their habits are, whether they're risk takers in terms of their hobbies, um, uh, are they? do they own a motorcycle, do they take uh, frequent flights uh, in small planes, do they uh, have other hobbies that might pose dangers? All these are suddenly going to be examined with an intensity that uh, no one thought possible just a few years ago.
1: Yeah, fantastic, because it's really going to be about numbers and the ability to crunch those numbers and crunch that data. Uh, this, is, this has been a great start. It's time to take a break to hear the important messages from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to dive into simplifying the this fantastic topic even more. Looking at more issues around investments, the stock market, and other aspects of our business dollars. I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you're listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Synergy development and training helps leaders maximize human performance with standardized conflict management and professional development solutions in order to increase retention, save money, and generate revenue. Go to SynergyDT.com and use the Conflict Calculator to learn about your organization's human conflict costs and find out what our training programs can help you do about it. That's SynergyDT.com to learn more. Or email Dave Gerber questions and thoughts to questions at SynergyDT.com. Learn more about Dave's keynote speaking and podcasts, Preparing for Robots, The Conflict Healer, and Pre-Marriage Questions. Check any of your normal podcast sites, his LinkedIn page, and his websites, DaveGerber.com, DaveGerber.info, and Robots.com. You are listening to Preparing for Robots with Dave Gerber. If you have a question or comment about the show, Dave welcomes your comments by email, to questions at SynergyDT.com. Now, back to this week's show.
1: Welcome back, welcome back. I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you are listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel. I did want to mention a Voice America colleague of mine, George Redis, and his great Voice America show, Task Force 7. You're going to really love it. Check it out. We are here with our international audience and my very knowledgeable guest, Robert Sharetta. Now, Robert, how about the investment industry? Um, where and how was it first used and where is it headed?
2: Okay, I'll, I'll take you back a, a, a bit again. Um, really, wh- one of the first areas that, that it became obvious that uh, this technology could be applied was in, in the settlement process. Um, brokerage firms uh, then and even today, because the volumes have just become astronomical, the trading back and forth uh, – as it as the volumes increased, it become it became absolutely essential that they found the means to replace the paper trading that uh, really was part of the ubiquitous and all trading on Wall Street. I guess up about until the eighties. At that time, they realized the settlement could really be all computerized. And in fact, most of the actual settlement takes place today in Newark, New Jersey, and a few other uh, distant places in New Jersey, away from the confines of uh, Wall Street and Manhattan, uh, because it's all electronically done, of course. But beyond that, portfolio management really was the first to say, "This, this is something we have to embrace, because there were clearly just too many variables for the average human mind to process whenever, uh, for example, a war broke out in a, uh, in an oil region and the price of oil jumped. How was that going to impact the economy? How many sectors would be impacted? Um, what was the likelihood that it would take place over a period of time or would it, would it instantly show up in the, in the gas prices the, the next day? How would it affect transportation? How would it affect farming, which uses an awful lot of energy in terms of uh, um, not only cultivating their, their crops, but uh, refining them, uh, freezing them, getting them to the market? How is this going to, in fact, um, affect all, all goods, services that took place not only throughout the United States, but indeed the world? So it became essential. For computer technology to be standing by, ready to process all these variables in the event that any one of them quickly changed. Of course, they're constantly changing every time the Federal Reserve jumps or moves the interest rate. Even though much of that is anticipated, um, you, they, uh, we're never sure if it was going to take place or how much. And the same is true of almost every event that takes place uh, in, the, in today's news. There's a constant flow of information into these uh, asset management tools now. They're really, they're really just uh, you know, mainframe computers. No longer mainframe in the sense of size, but certainly uh, supercomputers in terms of their processing power. In fact, more and more, of course, by the late 90s and uh, 2000s, we started to see the high-frequency trading. In fact, we at International Investor have done several reports on this to show that today, in fact, most trading – is not even done through the normal stock exchanges, such as the New York Stock Exchange or the what was the American Stock Exchange. Almost all the stock trading takes place between the dark pools, if you will. These are the black boxes that take that are put in place between the institutions themselves. They're really not as much. Uh, you could not describe them really as central clearinghouses, but rather. Uh, individual trades that go between the institutions themselves. And, of course, this is now done in the nanoseconds, meaning uh, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of times a second. Uh, stocks are traded. And it got to the point where, uh, of course, the high-frequency trading, anyone who has read uh, any of the of the famous books, uh, the Flash Boys or, or others that describes this, uh, has a knowledge of the fact that, it became so essential to be close to the trading that they realized that just the amount of time that the electrons took the to pass from New York exchanges to the New Jersey clearinghouses um, meant that there was too much, ta- too much time differential, and if they could intercede, they could actually process the information faster and thus get ahead of the trading of other institutions. So that became a race in Wall Street to actually set up some of the trading links right next door to the trades as they were conducted by the asset managers in New York. But I don't want to digress too much into those into those realms, but it gives you a general sense of how important all this computer processing power has become to the industry, not only in trying to guide them in terms of their investment strategy, but the actual trading itself which I will argue has now become um, perhaps as important as the strategy of trying to determine which companies are indeed going to be more profitable. The trading itself has become, if you will, paramount to uh, to the actual companies that the stocks, in this case, and even derivatives, represent. I, I'm sorry. to I hope I haven't added no, it's more confusion. it's, I, it's interesting. I, mean, to that no, I
1: mean, this is very interesting stuff. I mean, this is what the show is all about. I mean, my opportunity to facilitate, you know, this discussion with experts who, you know, are knowledgeable, that understand the history and the context and have the ability to give us information that can help us sort of facilitate and help, help uh, other business leaders regardless of their industry be thinking about issues that they need to see, and we're talking, we're learning context. I'm curious, how about when we talk about the investment industry? What about the the uh, about use of this stuff by investment bankers and the executive the executive suite? You have thoughts on that?
2: Well, certainly, and I'll tell you what what a lot of the thinking is now uh, centered around, and that is using other parts of AI and intelligence gathering to facilitate. Uh, the investment strategy, you know, each one of these, uh, in asset managers, whether they be the largest wall street investment banks or the many boutique, uh, investment firms that have now been formed are all trying to offer, uh, to their clients, a unique perspective, something that will distinguish them from the rest. And remember, most of their clients are not the, we're not talking about the individual retail clients. We're talking about uh, the pension funds, and not just the pension funds here in the United States, but worldwide pension funds now. And we're talking about, uh, of course, um, uh, not just the mutual fund industry, but increasingly the hedge fund industry and the offshore hedge fund industry. So these Uh, purveyors, if you will, of AI strategic uh, asset management now tour the world talking to professional institutional investment advisors and say, look, Give us five percent of your assets, and we will prove to you that our unique strategy will outperform um, the rest of what you're doing and or at least will we'll be offering an alternative that will give you um, non correlating assets so if their assets and their their strategies fall in price, ours will uh, will hold up for you um, but the other interesting wrinkle of all this is you have increasingly Executives saying, and 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 these same uh, institutions offering the asset management tools, the AI tools, if you will, saying we don't just look at an individual company anymore and try to determine if that company is going to be profitable by talking to the CEO and their and their head managers. We will look at – we, of course, want to confirm whether all their orders are going through. So we'll look at Google Earth. Uh, If it's a retailer, we want to see how many cars are truly in their parking lots uh, during the holidays or other days of the week. If it's a restaurant, how many uh, customers uh, buy the cars in their lot. If it's uh, if it's a company that's uh, putting together uh, engineering equipment, we want to see we want to track that equipment as it goes across the country on freight trains. Are they getting as many orders as they say? Are they delivering as many orders as they say? Um, we want to be able to see uh, the, where the ships are headed that are holding the cargo. That are uh, supposedly been unloaded by a company saying that they're that they're providing um, so much volume in the in the orders for that particular product. So, in essence, what you have now is a whole field of intelligence that's being added as another layer to this investment strategy. That's checking, first of all, in all honesty, they're checking on the. Uh, a viability on the uh, honesty of the executives who are making the claims for their companies. And they're also looking at competitors and trying to provide, in some cases, strategic competitive advice to these very companies because they can say, look, uh, your competitor made a, a special offer during the holiday seasons, Then look, they've got twice the cars in the parking lot that you do. So there's an awful lot of interplay now between what's AI, investment advice, intelligence, and those offering um, strategic competitive analysis uh, to the corporate executive suite.
1: Yeah, and it would seem from what you're talking about that in essence, the, the better the technology, the more they're really gonna be able to sharpen the saw, uh, discard the excess, uh, get such a, almost a more surgical, you know, precise way of understanding all of these factors that are gonna to lead to, you know, increased, increased uh, revenue for companies. And we'll also at the same time, uh, as I like to talk about, will have an impact on jobs. And uh, particularly, you know, as you're talking, we're talking about investment bankers, um, it would not be hard to believe that these chat bots are, you know, these invest bots are going to at one point be available for people at a, at a, um, a lower economic level than probably before. So we're talking about a, a huge gamut of who's going to be impacted, right? Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. In fact, our last segment, let's talk about what it means to the retail investor, too. But my final thought on the institutional levels before we go is this this entire AI is also going to be applied to mergers and acquisitions because they're really able to look at, again, a thousand different variables, particularly in the tax realm, to give advice to corporations and, of course, looking at their competitors and determining who is the best merger and acquisition candidate should your firm be or who who out there is most likely to be open to an offer at this time Mm -hmm. so on on the merger and acquisition plane clearly a lot of advantages if you can add and collect all this data and make it meaningful if you can analyze it in a meaningful way but in the last segment let's talk about what this means to the retail investor because there are big big things are happening
1: yeah and and before we go there the we're really talking about um, reducing, in many ways, conflict around some of these issues because we're able to be more accurate uh, with respect to our decisions and our uh, what we decide to move forward and implement. Um, well,
2: well, I'd like to say that, but but I have I have sat in enough rooms, uh, boardrooms, and heard uh, you don't. Know, it's crass word to use, but pitches by these so-called investment managers, and every one of them, of course, is not above sometimes uh, putting down their competition themselves, or suggesting that their way of looking at the data is. Is much more advantageous. So I'm not sure we're, we're beyond the, the world of argument about which of these works. In fact, David, I would argue the opposite in a way. The more analysis of the data, the more one can can look across a range of variables that weren't even imaginable before. And as a result, because people are looking at so much, oh, my gosh, satellite data, they're looking at information that's brought in uh, in terms of uh, the uh, the delivery of goods at a dock uh, unloaded by ships. Uh, they're looking, of course, at all the news feeds and all the social media possible. I would argue, in a way, it's going to create even more confusion for a period of time as more and more people try to sort through all this and say our, our system is better.
1: Yeah, and I would think so in many ways because one of the high percentages we know of reasons that mergers and acquisitions fail is because of a culture and the human beings uh, in, their, in their merger. And so it will be interesting to see how AI and digital is used to develop uh, software uh, and ways to predict uh, how a culture and how humans are going to respond to help close that gap with respect to you know, one of the main reasons why these, these organizations are not working or, when they come together. Or, and, this is why you're, this.
2: You're, and this is why your show is so perfect, just last thought, uh, or whether robots or AI should be incorporated with it between the humans. So, so in other words, not just, not just analyzing the humans themselves but determining whether maybe we should replace these humans with uh, some other devices.
1: Well, I think that's going to be the big question because, and I think this goes to ethics and it goes to morals and it goes to bigger questions that uh, we are going to have to ask as a society and business leaders are going to have to ask themselves when they realize that they can lay off a thousand, 2000, 10,000 people and replace them. um, What are, what's the socioeconomic uh, employment impact of all that stuff? And, and I think that's, part of what this show is about too, right? It's, the, it's looking at this stuff with its impact on human beings. So for right now, it's time to take our last break to hear important messages from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to continue our look at the digital world, hear more from our fantastic guests, hit the lightning round of questions, and possibly even make a special announcement. I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you're listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice of America Business Channel.
0: Synergy development and training helps leaders maximize human performance with standardized conflict management and professional development solutions in order to increase retention, save money, and generate revenue. Go to SynergyDT.com and use the Conflict Calculator to learn about your organization's human conflict costs and find out what our training programs can help you do about it. That's SynergyDT.com to learn more. Or email Dave Gerber questions and thoughts to questions at SynergyDT.com. Learn more about Dave's keynote speaking and podcasts, Preparing for Robots, The Conflict Healer, and Premarriage Questions. Check any of your normal podcast sites, his LinkedIn page, and his websites, Dave Gerber.com, Dave Gerber.info, and Preparingfor Robots.com. You are listening to Preparing for Robots with Dave Gerber. If you have a question or comment about the show, Dave welcomes your comments by email to questions at SynergyDT.com. Now, back to this week's show.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you are listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice of America Business Channel. We are here with our international audience and my very knowledgeable guest, Robert Sharetta. You know, before we jump back in, let me get to that announcement I mentioned. I'm really excited to share that Robert has invited me to help produce a segment on his international television show called Preparing for Robots. This is a very exciting time, I'm very appreciative, and Robert, I just wanted to get any thoughts you might have about that.
2: Well, Dave, not only is it most welcome, but uh, we at International Investor have been uh, putting together programs dealing with economic development around the world for 20 years. And about five or six years ago, we recognized that no one was talking enough about AI robotics and the impact that it could have on the workplace and jobs and uh, what the what it will mean for the economies of the world. About two years ago, uh, we finished our last segment on that subject. And then when you came to me this year and said that you were – not only specializing in this but preparing for robots was going to be the name of a segment that you wanted to produce i am so glad that you and i have reached uh, uh an agreement where you will bring that to international investor and make it a regular segment on our show because it's going to be vital uh, for anyone who's trying to understand the world economy and what's happening so dave uh, Welcome, I can't wait till we uh, get that first segment finished and uh, start the series on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. And I'm so excited to be a part of your work, Robert. So thank you again for doing that and, and, and welcoming me in. I really appreciate it. Um, so, you know, so with that, uh, and hopefully we'll get a bunch of our listeners that are here to join us on that segment. And I'll talk more about it when it, when it launches. Uh, let's get back to our subject here. I know something that you're itching to talk about, which we all need to hear about, is how this is going to impact us with respect to retail. Absolutely.
2: You know, um, a, a couple a couple thoughts Uh, about what people probably are already seeing. Uh, You know, the banking industry first recognized when they introduced ATMs, and they were very worried that the public's reaction was going to be a negative one. And for a few people, perhaps it was uh, the idea that you would work with a machine instead of a, a an actual human bank teller. But what they've discovered over the years is not only have their customer and client base adapted, but in fact has embraced it. In fact, especially the younger generation. And now we have a situation by which there is the, – we have a situation. Are you with me, Dave?
1: Oh, yeah. I just want to oh, yeah. make sure. Yeah. Uh, we have a
2: situation where – all the, all the information coming into the banking industry suggests that there's a preference for the ATM machine on the part of many of their younger clients. In other words, the younger clients often don't want to have the human contact. So that runs, of course, uh, contrary to what some of the common assumptions were originally when they were first introducing this equipment. The investment industry has taken note of this and is now already deploying it in ways that customers may not even fully understand. The number of times that customers think that they are actually in contact with a human being on the phone, if they were to call their broker, mm. uh, might be an overestimate. Some of the actual automated calling services and responding services now are getting very, very human-like, very, very intelligent. And at least to put the customer on hold, that customer may very well think that they've spoken to a human at first, but it was actually a robotized voice. That oh, and I can tell you that
1: me. I received an email the other day from somebody, uh, Veronica. Veronica. Uh, checking in on my automobile, and when I responded, I got an email back a, a few hours later from the manager saying, "Hey, just want to let you know Veronica's a robot, and um, that sends out periodic notices uh, that she can engage in discussion with." And I, I was just, I, I wasn't shocked. I saw it coming, but at the same time, like you're talking about, it's getting very sophisticated enough to that you don't even.
2: And especially the younger investors, they're trying to get them very comfortable with the chat boxes, and uh, the instantaneous response mechanisms that will enable them to really uh, quickly correspond find the information they want but not have to really deal with a, a human especially an older adult human who sometimes frightens this uh, this younger class of investors or makes them feel perhaps a little inferior because they're they' they they have to deal with the so-called uh, finance expert to tell them what they want to do Uh, they're much more inclined to uh, according to some of the studies and information out now to want to work independently just with machines and make their own decisions whether they be uh, right or wrong Um, as a result we're already starting to see the layoffs in the industry Um, I it was interesting I I'm here in Washington now and visiting one of the largest investment banking companies uh, that has three had three offices in Washington, uh, I met with the investment advisor for a new institutional co- account we had just brought them. Sat down and I noticed that we were the only two in the entire floor. He 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 confided in me that in fact they were closing the other two. Uh, rather large offices in the Washington uh, D.C. area, and they were consolidating everything into this one branch. And in this one branch, there were very few human brokers left. So we're seeing uh, a wide sweeping changes already taking place at the retail level, at the broker level, if you will. What's what became known as uh, uh, a uh, financial consultant, I was uh, for a period of time working with some of the some of these brokerage firms, and then of, now, of course, the new moniker is asset managers, because they don't really want to trade individual stocks, uh, and certainly not bonds, which never brought them much money. What they want to do is collect all the assets of their clients. That's their new mantra now, and in order to do so, they really need very few people to actually. To make those sales calls, what they need are uh, computer processing technology once they have those clients to correspond with the tr- clients and handle all their investment needs.
1: So what do you think are the consequences for businesses not addressing these questions right now?
2: Well, uh, you know, there's two. Number one, let me let me go back, uh, you know, first,
1: the layoffs,
2: Um and, and there, you know, the, you could say from the business executive suite, this looks promising. If you're in charge of a, a, uh, an investment bank right now, Wells Fargo just announced 26,000 jobs will go over that, 26,500 over the next three years. Deutsche Bank recently laid off 9,000 in um, the year 2017. Citigroup believes it will be cutting another 20000 uh, They announced that in June, but those layoffs will take place over the next year. Um, and again, back to some of the uh, traditional um, insurance firms, State Farm has announced it's going to be laying off over 4,000 people nationwide. Um, so you could argue that from the executive suite, this looks like you're eliminating an awful lot of salaries, an awful lot of pension plan planning, an awful lot of medical care. Um, the net benefit savings to the firm is great. On the other hand, it's absolutely compelling in this world for people to recognize that they have to have AI at the supercomputing level to compete these days. Imagine trying if you're a company in the United States or anywhere in the world trying to understand your international supply chain or your tax structure or your debt structure, for that matter, without the use of computers. Or imagine if you were trying to consider a merger and acquisition, the complexity of all those issues, Coupled with, of course, all the ordinary business analysis that you might conduct. So just to operate today, just to be with your competitors, even if you're a small retail business, just a restaurant manager today has to deal with a, a world, an ever-changing world of not just competition, but a barrage of uh, uh, bonus plans for employees, competitors trying to steal employees, um, coupons being offered to customers. It's, it's a, an increasingly complex marketplace. That oh, yeah, every all the,
1: food, all the, food, the food that's being delivered on home delivery meal kits. Um, that's but what this,
2: what this says, though, is that those large franchisers who can provide that information to their franchisees are probably putting them at a competitive advantage. And the same with the mergers and acquisitions that we talked about earlier. What it does suggest is a world moving toward more monopolization or at least oligopolization. Large, giant firms being able to attract all this intelligence, being able to pay for all the satellite and other coverage, those will be at the advantage of the smaller and lesser firms in each and every category.
1: Yep, and that's where sort of, you know, I don't like to mention specific companies, but that's where Amazon is just going to keep eating people up. Um, you know, their ability to not only, you know, not to sell products, but their data collection and their ability to prepare themselves and be agile and pick up new new sides of their business and you know, is so fast that no, it's going to be a question to see how Amazon impacts all of these industries. Because, I mean, pretty you know, Amazon is sells everything. So if they can be ahead of everybody on the information, they can uh, they can really be in a place to gobble up everything that comes along, wouldn't you think? Absolutely,
2: and we haven't even touched on the whole world of robots, which I think you are going to be talking about at length in your segment. That'll be a regular part of International Investor. That's why I'm so excited you're going uh, to be bringing that because whether a person is sitting in a room working with computers and AI who are who are responding perhaps to clients as he or she is sitting there listening, maybe supervising that computer activity or whether it be robots that are mixing drinks and preparing food and delivering it to customers sitting at their tables there's going to be the human supervisory role that i think you're going to be addressing so much in your upcoming segments
1: yeah i'm i'm really excited about that and i'm think you know being able to point out the shifts i mean one thing that i want to do and you mentioned all those 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 cuts in jobs is, you know, they seem like big numbers that are generic and over here, but for if you're one of the 9,000, your whole life is, is changed. So it's the show that we have here, the show I'm going to do with you, will also be able to talk about, so what's this impact on humans? What do they need to do now? What do they need to prepare for? How do they need to uh, encourage their children to pick the right subjects in college or digital trade schools? Uh, all that stuff is going to be huge because people are just going to have to make a serious shift. Uh, wouldn't you say?
2: Absolutely. No, uh, and yet trying to predict that—imagine the average parent trying to sit at home, no matter how intelligent and and uh, worldly they might be, trying to imagine what the world will be like for their own children twenty years from now—that's uh, that's the tough oh, but I, for okay, any of so- So I really think whatever guidance you offer in your segment is going to be extremely helpful to them.
1: Yeah. And I think like for, I look at my daughter who's 12, you know, who's in seventh grade by the time that she graduates high school, we're talking six years from now, life is going to look completely different in many respects. I think what people have to think about with respect to those who are having kids now and in this digital is to really figure out what is our kid good at? If your kid is terrible at math and science uh, and computers, well, you better start to think about how that impacts them for future employment uh, and, and vice versa. So I, you're right. I think it's impossible. I think it's impossible for many to know what's going to happen after 10 years, because we're talking about five iterations of Moore's Law. Uh, I think they, that we all need to, and unfortunately, um, preparation is, I had a publisher once tell me, preparation doesn't pay. Uh, people, that's why there's four books on diabetes and 4,000 on what to do when you get them. And so this show yeah. and our show together can be hopefully helping to send up some flares for people. Uh, and so this has been a great interview. I'm so happy you agreed to come on the show before I let you go. I have to put you through my digital speed round. These questions are just some fun that I can ask you and I ask everybody who comes on the show, no pressure, you know, be human. Okay. I'm ready. All right. I'm so ready. One, thi- one thing you love about technology. Uh,
2: um, love the idea that it can get me to where I'm going, uh, and I don't have to ask other humans. GPS, <laughs> uh, okay. one of the that's greatest right. events of all time.
1: That's right. One of the <laughs> things I say is that in many ways, us humans are making ourselves obsolete. You know, just watch people drive, and sometimes soon we'll be begging for those driverless cars. So one thing you... And too, many,
2: too many people have sent, sent me in the wrong direction.
1: Yeah, That's right. So <laughs> okay. one thing you dislike about technology...
2: Um, the, I, the, the very notion that, uh it can't, it's not flexible enough to respond to particular needs. I have, uh, the idea that menus, you know, put, push me endlessly searching for information that they may not have, but they waste my time.
1: Okay. If you could have a robot do anything for you, what would it be?
2: <laughs> Deliver a cold beer, uh, about 7 PM each night.
1: Okay. And what will people do if they don't work in 30 years? Great
2: question. Uh, boy, we're all going to be wrestling with that for real. Um, they, better, they better start to uh, develop their human social interaction skills again.
1: Absolutely. Leadership, emotional intelligence, communication, conflict management, all that good stuff, right? Right. Absolutely. Uh, if people want to learn more about you and your show, where should they go?
2: Okay. Uh, We do have a website. It's international hyphen, in other words, a dash, international hyphen investors, with an S on the end, .com, international hyphen investors.com. Thanks for asking.
1: Absolutely. You want to check out his show in its own right. And then you also want to check it out because I'm going to be on it too. So um, here's my final word. We're all out of time this week. Hopefully we've energized you on a Monday and for the rest of the week as well. Check this out. Preparing for robots is just one aspect of the organizational and conflict healing that needs to take place for our people to succeed. Feeding the professional, the warrior and the healer sides of oneself is the best way to maximize your human performance. The ability to do this well is the future for humans, businesses, and employees. If you want to talk more about that or the impact of all things digital on humans, email me at questions at synergydt.com. Wishing every human on the planet a great day today and a jump start to the rest of your week. You've been listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice of America Business Channel. I'm your host, Dave Gerber. I love you, and we are out of here.
0: Thank you for listening to Preparing for Robots. Join Dave Gerber next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy the week.